Welcome to Shatterproof. I am your host, Todd Callahan. We are experiencing all kinds of things all over this culture right now that are trying to break you, that are trying to get you to um, crumble and just fall, cave. Your value system is being questioned. Your integrity uh, and endurance is being questioned. But I want to remind you today, you are shatterproof. God's given you the ability to press, press on. He's given you the ability to run the race. He's given you the ability to, to not be crushed. And all over the nation, we're seeing all kinds of things begin to bear down on the culture. Uh, we're seeing uh, all kinds of demonic and, and, and ungodly spiritual attacks happening all over the nation. You see this past, this past week, the Travis Scott uh, issue down in Houston. And uh, you're, you're seeing, I think it was eight people that died. Eight people that died. Dozens were injured. You see all kind of demonic activity uh, in the graphics and the images, uh, not to mention the music uh, that was presented at that, at that festival, at that concert. All kinds of things are happening throughout the nation. And, and you and I, as the people of God, cannot sit by silently and ignore what's happening right in front of us. And I know I was mentioning to our church uh, this past week, it's so easy sometimes to get inside the subculture of the four walls of the church and just pretend like everything is just going okay. It's all all right. We're safe inside church. We feel good inside church. Um, you know, the four walls are, are protecting us, and, and we're surrounded by people of like heart, like faith, like mind. But see, what happens is when you leave church service, the reality of everything that's presented to us in culture is there. You can't ignore it. To ignore it is to put ourselves in a, in a place and in a position where we're not allowing God and, not, and we're telling God, you can't use me to change this culture because I pretend it's not even there. It's like the past two years, uh, um, you know, politicians and unfortunately other pastors and, and Christian leaders, you know, are, are making the, the statements that, that pastors should not be having a discussion and dialogue on politics. But here's the deal. Preachers silent on, silenced on politics will end up being silenced by politics. And, and far too long, the church has been in retreat. We need to start living out what it says in Proverbs 28.1, where it says, the wicked flee when no man pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. It's time that the church begin to find its voice in this wayward society. It's time to get up and take a stand like we never have before. It's time that we position a generation and a company of people, just like you and me, to get into a place of intention. And every step that you take and every decision you make can impact the existence of a generation. You and I are not making decisions in this culture and in this generation right now for just us. We're impacting our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren and beyond. And the only thing the enemy can do is make you timid, make you passive and apprehensive so that you don't make full use out of the gifts that are laying dormant inside of you. This is why God told Joshua, be strong. He didn't tell him to feel strong. This culture, this generation, everything's about emotions. It's all about feelings and, and you know, what, you, what your psyche t is telling you to respond to and how you feel. And, you know, uh, because sometimes you've got to be strong until you feel strong. Sometimes you've got to be strong until your feelings catch up. We don't walk by feelings. We walk by faith. We walk by faith and command our feelings to catch up. I won't allow my feelings, you know, I won't allow myself to follow my feelings. My feelings have got to follow me. And the God that I serve said to be strong. And I'm telling my feelings, you've got to catch up. 
In other words, those Jericho walls fell because he had courage. The Jordan River parted because he had courage. David was not the most skilled warrior. He was not the most efficient, efficiently equipped person, but he had a slingshot and five stones. And what he did with a rock is something that what people who were trained in military warfare could not do with their weapons because one thing he had that they did not have was courage. And we've got to have courage. We've got to have faith. In the midst of all that, we've got to have peace. We've got to have joy in spite of it all. And understand that talking about David, while they were running away from Goliath, David was running to Goliath. Where are our Goliaths today in 2021? Because courage will make you run towards something with a rock that other people will run away from. The church cannot run away from this conversation. We cannot run away from the demonic principalities and powers that are running rampant all over this nation and throughout the world. We cannot run away from the political conversation and having political discourse. The fact that we think that we don't belong in that conversation is exactly the reason why we are in the place we are in this culture right now. Because we've allowed politicians and we've allowed People in the public eye and the, and the media, the mainstream media, to sit there and say that pastors and Christians have no space and no room to speak into the political environment of this nation. That is absolutely not true. We just had a great weekend with William Federer. If you don't know who William Federer is, you need to go look up his work. Just an incredible, brilliant mind that speaks throughout the nation, throughout the world, uh, about the political issues that we face um, um, we are facing globally and we're facing here in this nation. And as he began to share, I was just uh, blown away by the fact that what has happened in Connecticut, um, I, I believe it was the Connecticut constitution that led to the formation of, of, of that state and, and, and the political uh, narrative that that state was birthed out of came out of a pastor's sermon. And I was just blown away by that. And now who, here we are in 2021 where we're being told that Christians and, and, and pastors don't have the right to speak into the political narrative of this nation. But I tell you, I believe that there's a group of us, there, there, there's, a, there's a company of people who trust that God and the rock will defeat the Goliath that stands before us in this nation, and it's going to take courage. I know many of you are standing up right now against the vaccination mandates. You're walking in the same uh, line of faith that my wife and I are as she's continuing to fight for her job. You know, in two and a half weeks from now, she, uh, she may be without a job. We don't know. They just said November 30th, if you're not fully vaccinated, your employment will come to an end. But now she can't get an answer from human resources. She can't get an answer from her superiors um, for, with the company that she works for. So we don't know what we're looking at in the next two and a half to three weeks. And I know many of you are facing the exact same situation. See, the narrative changes. And when the narrative changes politically, then all of a sudden corporations and companies begin to redirect their narrative. Because it's all direct, directed and, 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 and um, um, situated from the top of, the, of this country. So when the president says one thing, all of a sudden corporations and companies that have direct ties to government contracts begin to change their narrative and they begin to do things um, you know, that, that are in opposition of what it was two weeks ago. OSHA comes out and says one thing. Listen, this is a battle. There are all kinds of variables that are changing every single day. But I want to tell you tonight um, uh, and today, wherever you're watching this podcast from, if you're in the Philippines, it's tonight. If you're in the United States, it's today. And wherever you're watching and listening from, I need you to understand that God is our rock. And because of the foundation that we stand on and the word of God, 
That is what makes us shatterproof. We are about to experience the greatest expression of courage and, and the greatest fight that this nation has seen in modern history. And we can look back and see even the greatest expression of courage was seen on Calvary. The cross was the ultimate expression of courage. Listen, it took courage to go to the cross. It took courage to stay on the cross. Come on, if you're Jesus. It took courage to trust God enough to say, if you let me die, I trust that you're going to raise me back up again. Courage is the ultimate expression of faith. Faith is the womb from which courage is birthed. So courage is the fruit of faith. Where there is no courage, there is no faith. There's a lot of pastors around this nation and throughout the world who are going to have a very difficult time talking about faith and courage now that they've just reopened their church. Or for a matter of fact, that they kept their church closed for any extended period of time. How can you even go stand behind the podium in 2000 and 2021 and beyond and sit there and talk about faith and courage after you cowered at the fact that your state officials were telling you they were going to fine you if you didn't do what they told you to do. So you shut your doors. Understand most pastors, it wasn't for the fact that they were, they were overly concerned about the well-being of their people because they could have had multiple services. They could have spread people out. They could have done things to their, their, uh, their building and their facility to make sure that it was extremely clean to have services. But what did they do? They chose to close. They didn't have to do that. They chose to close. But I want to remind you where there's no courage, there is no faith. Because the fight of faith always shows up wearing clothes of courage. It wasn't just Jesus's love for you and me that kept him on the cross. It was Jesus's faith in the Father that kept him on that cross. He predicted not only his own death, but his own resurrection because he was fully convinced and persuaded that God would be faithful to his word and do exactly what he said he was going to do and resurrect him. So here it is. When we talk about courage, we aren't talking about faith in Jesus. We're talking about the faith of Jesus. I'm asking you today, in order to be shatterproof, you've got to have the faith of Jesus. Because it's one thing to have faith in Jesus. It's another thing to have the faith of Jesus. Faith in Jesus is saving faith. The faith of Jesus is miracle-working faith. It's speaking to dead things. It's healing blind eyes. That's what that kind of faith is. It's shattering limitations of previous levels of faith. This is why the Bible says in Judges 3, there are nations the Lord left to test all those Israelites who had not experienced any of the wars in Canaan. He did this only to teach warfare to the descendants of the Israelites who had not previously had any battle experience. So this is not the generation that had experienced the exodus out of Egypt. This is not the generation that knew what it was like to have to depend on manna to fall from heaven and for water to come out of a rock. This is not the generation that had to depend on God to part the Red Sea. This is the generation that was born in Canaan. They were born into blessing. They were a generation that was born experiencing fruit that they didn't have to labor for in a previous generation. So they didn't know struggle. They didn't know lack. They only knew, if I can put it in modern day verbiage, they only knew PlayStation 4s, Xboxes, Switches, Jordans. They only knew having their own rooms and their own TVs and their own remote controls. They didn't know what it was like to be your own remote control. Come on, 80s kids. You know what I'm talking about. You had to get up and go to the dial and actually switch it and sometimes hold your antenna and stand there so you could get a clear picture. This generation didn't understand that. 
So for, for all you young people listening, what I mean is, you know, you'd be sitting on a sofa with your family watching TV and your parents would tell you to, hey, get up and go change the channel. And you'd have to physically get up and go switch the knob to the three or four channels that you got. I'm talking about a generation that grew up in Canaan, all right? And the Bible says that God left some nations around to teach them skills to fight that they didn't have. We see that right now in this generation. I'm seeing those that were born in my generation and, and, and earlier in my generation. I'm not seeing so much in the millennial generation, but I do believe that that's happening. I see it in the Gen Z, but I see a fight that has not been in, in modern day generation up until right now. I see a great fight beginning to happen. I see people standing up for truth and righteousness because they understand that whatever is gained must be maintained. So even if you didn't fight to get it, you're going to have to fight to keep it. Some of you, your grandparents fought in wars. You didn't have to fight, but you're having to fight right now in a different way to keep the freedom that they fought for. Because whatever you have, I'm telling you, the devil's coming after it. If you've got peace right now, Satan's going to come after it. If you have joy, the enemy's coming after it. Because we know what it's like. We know what it's like to have joy and lose it. We know what it's like to have focus and lose it. Because whatever you have, the enemy's coming after it. And, and, and if we don't know how to fight to protect it, we'll, we will not be able to maintain what we've gained. And Jesus doesn't want us to just have fruitful lives. He, wanna, he wants our fruit to remain. So we can't sit back in this culture and just leave it up to Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and Congress and our local government to just take care of the nation. And I'm sorry, but if you've put that much faith in political powers and political establishments, you're setting yourself up for a great disappointment. God said, I left these trials around so I could train these people in the skills they needed so they can fight to keep what they possess. Listen, if there's anything that we have learned in 2020 and 2021, nothing trains you like a trial. You don't learn prayer in a sermon. You learn to pray under pressure. You learn the principles of prayer through a sermon, but you learn the practices of prayer when you are under pressure and your back is against the wall. You cannot win with your own ingenuity and figure out how you're going to make this thing work. So you have to place yourself at the mercy of God who is able to intervene into the affairs of your existence and orchestrate all things, come on, to the according according to the counsel of his own will. You learn how to pray when you're in trouble. You learn how to pray late at night in the midnight hour. I told my wife the other day as we were praying and believing God for a breakthrough in her uh, employment situation as she battles against this vaccine mandate. And we were joking around, but I mean, I'm, I'm half serious when I say this. I'm ready for God to show up at breakfast. I'm tired of waiting to the midnight hour. I, I, you know, there, there are seasons in my life where, where I've been, I'm ready and okay if he shows up at lunchtime. Because we have seen him show up so many times at that midnight hour. But let me tell you something. He'll teach you great levels of faith. He will teach you greater and deeper dimensions of prayer when you have to go into the midnight hour because nothing trains you like a trial. So we have to learn the difference between knowledge and training because you can have knowledge but never be trained because nothing trains you like a trial will. The Bible says that God left specific nations in orchestrated proximities because he wants this generation to be trained. Church, we're being trained right now. If you're listening to this podcast and you've been trying to stay out of the political discussion, you're trying to stay away from the cultural narrative that's happening right now. Why are you staying away from that? You should be involved in it. 
you should be right in the middle of it. Because as we look back at this, at, at this depiction of what's happening uh, in the scripture, they had not experienced this before, and all, all of them are undone and nervous, and they're beside themselves. And God, metaphorically speaking, is sitting in heaven laughing, sitting back saying, it's just training. They didn't, they, they, they think that their lives are taking a downward spiral. It's never going to recover. And God's just sitting back and he's just saying, this is just training. You're in class right now. This is just a pretest. I want to suggest to you that this pandemic that we've been experiencing is just a pretest. And there's a lot of Christians. There's a lot of pastors. There's a lot of spiritual leaders that failed the pretest. Because I believe that God has picked this nation and other nations around the world and used us to engage in some bear battles. And what do I mean by that? Well, David, before he could have engaged in battle with Goliath, he was having a conversation with the king who gave him permission to fight Goliath. And the king was asking him what qualified him to fight the giant who has been trained in military warfare most of his life. In other words, uh, what, what, what have you established in your life to be able to speak into the culture politically? You've not run for office. You're just a citizen. What gives you the right? You're a Christian. You shouldn't be speaking into these kind of things. And David was essentially saying, while I was tending to my father's sheep, he said, there was a lion and a bear that came to take some of the sheep. And I protected my father's sheep from the lion and the bear. And the same God that delivered me out of the hand of the lion and the bear is the same God that will deliver this Philistine into my hands. See, some battles are bear battles. They aren't battles that are intended to take you out. They are battles that are intended to cultivate in you the confidence that you need to face a Goliath when you when you face him. See, the only reason David even had confidence to fight Goliath was because that confidence was cultivated in what he saw God do with the bear. And he said, if God can do this with the bear, the same God can do it with the giant. And I believe there's somebody who's listening to this podcast right now, wherever you are throughout the nation and around the world that can look back over your life and see some bear battles that God brought you into things that agitated you, but they educated you at the same time. There's a lot of people around the nation that aren't even spiritually aware and apprised, but they are waking up to some things happening in this nation right now, right, right now, because of everything that we're experiencing in this culture. And the Bible says in verse four of Judges three, he says, they were left to test the Israelites to see whether they would obey the Lord's commandments, which he had given their ancestors through Moses. So he leaves the enemies there, one to teach them war, but also to see if they would obey the commandments. Now, why do they need enemies? To obey? Could it be because God realizes that real commitment is only revealed during times of inconvenience? Now, here we are coming up on Thanksgiving, coming up on Christmas, and we got a lot of people upset about the supply chain right now, being, being shut up and, and, and being held up uh, at ports and, and, and ships with, with hundreds of containers sitting off the, the coast of this nation, waiting to come to port. Now, listen, elections have consequences. This has nothing to do with the pandemic. It has everything to do with control. Everything that we're seeing right now uh, in, in workplaces, we don't have an employment problem. We have a political problem. And if the government would get out of the way, that would solve the employment issue. If government would get out of the way, that would solve the supply chain issue. If government would get out of the way, we could understand what it means to walk like in the freedom that our founding fathers wanted us to walk in. The problem is Washington, D.C. That's not the answer. That's not the solution. So could it be that God realizes that a real commitment is only revealed 
during times of inconvenience. In other words, how are you going to behave emotionally, physically, spiritually, if you don't get that thing at Christmas time that you're wanting to get because it's just not available to you? Maybe we ought to look at the real meaning for that season that we're supposed to be celebrating and understand that there are some spiritual implications that can be realized when we don't have that great gift sitting under the tree because of what's been held up at the ports. Maybe we need to realize that this Thanksgiving, that it's not just about the big old turkey, but it's about sitting around the table and looking into the faces of those loved ones in your family sitting around that table. And listen, regardless of what Dr. Fauci says, my goodness, enjoy time with your family. Have your family over for Thanksgiving. Who cares what the CDC says? Who cares what Dr. Fauci says? They don't have the right to dictate what you do with your family. Get your family, your friends, your loved ones over. Sit down, embrace one another, love on one another. My goodness, if there's ever been a time where we need to love one another and, and speak to one another in, 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 in right heart and right spirit, it's right now. Those guys don't care about any of that stuff. Don't listen to, to Dr. Fauci and, and, and establish establishments in Washington, D.C. They're sitting here saying, you know, well, we need to wait and see if we can get together for Christmas or not. Or wait and see if we can get together for, for Thanksgiving or not. And if you do, if you're unvaccinated, everyone needs to wear a mask. I mean, these people are out of their mind if they truly think people are going to sit in their own living room, in their home, own home, with a mask on at Thanksgiving time. Who do these people think you are? They think we're stupid. They think that we are absolutely dumb enough to do those kind of things in our own home. And you know what? The more we comply, the longer this goes on. So here we are in this culture now, may not have Thanksgiving unless you want to pay $80 for a turkey. People may not have the items that they want for Christmas because of the supply chain situation. So you can look at your circle now, those people that run with you and say, it's easy to say you're with me when it costs you nothing to be with me, but real commitments revealed and embodied and expressed in a God who needs nothing. He wrapped himself up in flesh, came down to earth, walked this earth for 33 years, went to a cross to be wrongfully convicted, going to a grave and stayed there for three days only to get up and get out and be resurrected. Real commitment reveals itself during inconvenience. How committed are we to the house of God? I got an email not too long ago from someone who said, Pastor, if you would just make sure everybody's vaccinated and put masks on everybody, we'll come back to church. Well, unfortunately, I guess you'll be watching uh, services online because that's not happening. Could it be that God was using the inconvenience of the past two years in the battle that we've been going through, not to show him something that he already knows, but to show, show us something? Could it be that trouble really shows you stuff that's buried deep, that's not visible on the surface, but just because it's deep doesn't mean it's not dangerous. In other words, there's nothing that shows, shows you what's in you like pain, like discomfort, like being out of, out of your familiar territory, like the normal routine of your day is disrupted. You know, it's, it's kind of like when you smash your toe on, on, that, on that chair or, or the end of the sofa or that, you know, the corner of, of, of the, the entertainment center or the, the, the dresser. You stub your toe and then some stuff comes out of your mouth, right? Or you hit your head on the car when you get in. You know, I, I know I'm being real now. Come on, Christians. Pain will show you things that are present that you didn't know were there until pain shows up. And whenever God shows us something like this, he's not showing us this to critique or judge us. He's showing us this because he knows this needs to 
to be exposed before we can move into another season operating under an illusion that we're in a place that we are actually are not. How can we sit here and say, you know, we're on the brink of the greatest move of God that our generation's ever seen, but we kept our church closed for the past two years? Or maybe you're listening and you haven't gone to church for the past two years and you're just sitting watching online. That's why the Bible is very specific on saying not to forsake the assembling of the saints as is the habit of some. Don't be some. Be different. Be called out. Don't be the some that sits there because you cannot in your kitchen, you cannot tell me. All right, let me go here for a second. You cannot tell me that the atmosphere in the house of God together corporately gathering under one roof with worship, with the word, with prayer, with signs and wonders and miracles happening in that atmosphere, you cannot tell me it's the same experience and the same atmosphere while you're sitting in your kitchen on a Sunday morning watching service on your iPad or your television or your computer while you're eating your bowl of Cheerios or Lucky Charms and you expect God to show up and move in a way that he would corporately if you were in that atmosphere. It is not the same. And listen, maybe there's some churches and maybe there's some pastors who they don't operate in the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So for them, you know, the fact that the Holy Spirit's never really been in the building, maybe it doesn't really make that big of a difference for them. Come on, I know I might be stepping on some toes right now, but it's true. There's many churches around this nation who need to experience the power of God. But for the sake of 45-minute services, for the sake of making sure they put bodies in the chairs and the pews, they're giving up on the Holy Spirit. They've, they've, they, they would rather the Holy Spirit not show up and move in power because that might make somebody late to get to lunch. Their, their roast might overcook in, 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 the, in, the, in the crock pot or, or they might miss their, their, um, you know, their, their lunch appointment at Golden Corral or wherever they're going. So God forbid service goes too long because, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's gotten to the point to where we care more about somebody's, somebody's direct feelings and somebody's thoughts on how they think service should go, that pastors are now, are now giving up the service and giving up on a move of God for the sake of comfort. But at least we have people in the church. I mean, really, we're going to give up on the power of God just to put seat, people in the seats? If there's a place in my life that's weak, right? If we're looking at areas in our life that are weak, understand that he's not showing it to me to judge me and point the finger and say, you're weak. He's showing it to me because there's something in my future that requires that I be strong in the place that I'm weak. And I think pastors need to wake up to the reality and Christians need to wake up to the reality that we cannot be the same church today that we were two years ago. That stuff has changed. That ship has sailed. God's been saying, let me show this to you now so you don't run up on Goliath thinking you're better with your rock than you actually are. So I'm going to let you miss in this season. And if you can get over your ego, come on. And if you can get over the embarrassment, if you'll let me realign you, if you'll let me learn the lesson when you or teach you the lesson, rather, when you get to the next season, you will have fixed the area that would have made you vulnerable. We need to understand, I want God to show me. We've got to get so past our ego and what people think about us. I want to know what God thinks about me, what I'm thinking about myself. When I look in the mirror, who do I see? Do I see a reflection of Christ or do I see an ego that has a problem breaking? Don't let me walk blindly into something that I'm not ready for. God, show me. 
Don't let me think I'm stronger than I am and and I take on more than I can bear and it crushes me. Show me. Don't make me think people around me are solid when they're shifting sand. Show me. God, it might hurt my feelings, but show me. It may hurt my ego, but I need you to show me. I might be surprised, God, but show me. And I think we were all surprised with everything that happened over the past two years, but God crushed some egos. Now, I'm connected to some incredible pastors throughout the nation. Let me tell you something. God is showing up in the houses of worship that are seeking the face of God, that, it is, that are desiring a move of God, and the churches that have just recently opened that are just you know getting back just through the formality of religious exercise. Same old stuff from two years ago. Nothing's happening. I don't even know how and why people even go to churches like that. If the power of God's not moving, let me be real as a pastor. If the power of God is not moving in your church, why are you even there? Is it because your grandfather painted the steeple? Is it because that's where you were raised as a kid and you just feel like that's the place that you've got to continually go week after week? Where's the power of God? The power of God is not moving mightily in your house of worship. Why are you there? See, everything that we went through over the past two years are training us. Your trials are training. And if you don't see the trial as training, you've got to leave that season with something, wisdom, strength, a lesson, something. He said, if I sow in tears, I'll reap in joy. I need something from this season. If I'm coming out of Egypt, I'm not coming out Egypt of Egypt empty-handed. Maybe you can identify with what I'm talking about, but we've got to see the trial as a training. We've got to. I I know many people that have taken their kids out of public school systems or government school systems. They're not really public school systems. They're government systems of education or indoctrination, whatever you want to label it as. And this whole season of of, of trial over the past two years, I mean, my, my twin boys are juniors. They don't even know what it's like to go through high school as you and I know it. Because two years ago when they started as a freshman, everything started to go downhill with with this whole pandemic. They don't even know what it's like. And they're juniors in high school. They're homeschooled now. We took them out this year. But they have no idea what it's like to be in a public school setting, to be able to hang out with their friends and and, and do all of the things that you and I got to enjoy in a public school uh, setting. Or or, or even if you went to a private school setting. I know many private schools are still operating in in different different, um, um, ways that, that they were operating at prior to COVID, it's different now. Our kids don't even know what that's like. But the trial has trained. The trial has allowed my kids to realize, you know what, there's a bunch of junk that they teach you in school that's not even necessary to to, to fulfill the potential and the destiny that God's put in me. It's amazing when you homeschool your kids and they're able to look back on their education and say, why did I even have to do that? That had absolutely nothing to do with my future. It was a space filler. It was a waste of time. So as we look back, we, we, we have to see this. Don't miss the snake while you're looking for the lion. We'll say it again. Don't miss the snake when you're looking for the lion. Because oftentimes we can just set our kids out to school and think they're getting educated and don't think about the indoctrination and the, and the, 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 the degradation that's happening, the pulling down and the ripping apart of the values and the integrity and the morality that you as parents have put into your kids don't miss the snake while you're looking for the lion. I just want to get my kids back in school. This school needs to re- be reopened so they can, they can get back into school and, and you know get back to everything that they need to do. Well, maybe God's teaching you something and as a parent to try to get you to understand there are things that are happening in that school system that they don't need to be a part of. 
See, the Bible uses animal metaphors to describe the enemy. In the New Testament, Peter uses the example of a lion, and he says the enemy is a roaring lion seeking who he, whom he may devour. But also in the Old Testament, the enemy shows up in the garden as a snake. So you have a lion and a snake. You can't miss a lion, but you sure can miss a snake, but both of them can kill you. And so sometimes we're getting killed because we're missing the little thing, because you only think danger shows up in the form of big things. But let me tell you something, a lion roars, a snake hisses, you're not going to miss a roar, but you will miss a hiss. And you can end up getting bit because you missed a hiss. But after you get bit, some people can look back over their life after they've been bitten by a snake and say, you know what? I heard the hiss. I just didn't pay attention to it. There's some stuff happening in this culture right now that are speaking to us. And that's why parents are taking their kids out of public school systems. That's why people who haven't gone to church in 20 years are coming back to church. That's why we're seeing salvations at a great rate in our church. We're seeing people baptized and and set free and released with the power of God. So these people, as you look back on this story in, in, in the scripture, they're essentially saying, I saw some stuff. I saw some signs. I just overlooked it and didn't pay attention to it. How much stuff right now have we missed over the past two years in this culture that we didn't think was really a big deal? We've been, we've been so conformed to just wearing masks everywhere. You, I haven't worn a mask in, in about a year and a half, to be honest with you. I press the limit when I walk into a place that says, I was at um, 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 a shipping place the other day, and they had a big old sign, mandatory masks. I walked right in without one. No one said a word to me. See, the more you comply, the longer this goes. The more you comply with the culture, the, the culture of the earth, the less the kingdom of God God's culture can grab hold of your heart and your life. See, we're in the world, not of the world. There's got to be a dividing line there. The Israelites lived among the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perzites, the, 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 the Hivites, the Jebusites. They took their daughters in marriage and gave their own daughters to their sons and served their gods, right? So it, it just seems so innocent and normal because they're just like everybody's happy and getting married and doing everyone's doing the same thing, but not realizing there's a lot of hissing going on. Not realizing God is like, no, you're letting your boundaries down. You're adopting the value system of the people that you are in relationship with. They're influencing you and you should be influencing them, but they're influencing you. So now you've adopted their value system and, 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 and their system of integrity, whatever system that is, and the values you should be living out in your life are the fences that were supposed to protect you. And so when you violate those values, you make yourself vulnerable to stuff that you wouldn't have been vulnerable to if you didn't violate those values. And that's what we're seeing happen right now in our culture. That's what we have to fight for this. We have to fight for integrity and, 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 and godliness now in this culture. So they're now serving their gods and didn't even know what happened because they missed the snake while they're looking for the lion. Now catch now the little foxes that will destroy the vine, the Bible says. It's not always the big things that get you. Sometimes it's the little things. You better be, better be careful when somebody uh, you have in your space is always bringing you information from access they got from somebody else's space. Let me tell you something. That is some hissing. If they will talk to you about everybody else, they're going to talk about you to everybody else. And we'll say it again. If they can talk to you about everybody else, they will talk about you to everybody else. That's gossip. That's hissing. So we've also got to fight to, to rest in this culture and rest in this generation right now. But we also have to remember, we only need to engage when authorized. 
And that's where we're at right now. We must engage. All right? Judges 3, verse 7, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God, and they served the Baals and the Ashereths. I'd encourage you to read Judges 3, verses 8 through 11 on your own, but they violate their values and end up in idolatry. We'll say it again. The nation violated their values, and they ended up in idolatry, which is ultimately vowing allegiance to a value system that is different and distinct from the value system God has laid out for you. So this is what happens. They end up captured for eight years. God raises up a judge who's willing to engage the enemies that are holding them hostage. But in verse 11, it says that they had rest in peace for 40 years. They were held captive for eight years. He was willing to fight for a number of days and he got to rest for a number of years. Could you imagine if the people of God stood up against what is happening against the ungodliness in this nation? Like, could you imagine if everybody who's a part of a local house of church of uh, worship actually went to church? Could you imagine how the atmosphere in that room would change? How the atmosphere in those auditoriums would be moved with the power and the glory of God? If every, every saved person, every believer and follower of Christ, if you actually went to church every single week, there's a fight happening right now for your value system, for your integrity, for your, val- for your morals. And the value system of heaven is what we're supposed to release and sow, sow those seeds into the earth. Because there are some things that are in the way of our advancement that we just can't ignore. I'm talking politically, culturally, morally. When this Travis Scott guy, I didn't even know who he was, I had to look him up. When this Travis Scott guy can have thousands of people outside essentially worshiping in a demonic atmosphere, but we can't fill up churches around this nation. We have a problem, guys. We got a problem. We cannot just ignore the fact that this does not exist, and this is why we need pastors to step up and lead the charge. We need seasoned believers to step up and lead the charge in this generation. Some stuff you can't just pray away. You've got to deal with it. You've got to take it face for face value. You've got to look it in the eye. Sometimes prolonging the conversation is just prolonging the problem. We can sit here and talk about it all day long. You can post about it on your stories on Instagram, and you can post about it on Facebook and Twitter and do your virtue signaling stuff, but you won't be able to rest until you fight. And I know that's tough because many people don't like conflict and they do everything they can to avoid it and they live life passively, aggressively. And we don't want to deal with, with uh, what needs to be dealt with. But if you don't deal with what needs to be dealt with, what needs to be dealt with will eventually deal with you. Because sometimes you've got to fight to rest. Because the thing that's winning the fight against you is keeping you from experiencing the rest that we want to experience and the peace that we want to have. Sometimes you've got war You've got to war against procrastination because it's only when you fight against it and when you'll be able to rest because I've learned that procrastination can rob you of the ability to rest because you keep putting off what needs to be done and because you keep putting it off, it's always on your mind. And so until you fight against that and when you won't be able to rest. Putting off the conversation doesn't give you rest because you know you've got to have the conversation and that conversation's always on your mind. Listen, sometimes in order to rest, you've got to fight. You can't have anything healthy unless you're willing to fight against the things that are getting in the way of its health. You can't expect to be healthy when you're sucking down McDonald's uh, soft drinks and you're putting Big Macs and, and, and fries in your body 
and expecting somehow your body to respond in a positive way. I don't know who that was for, but that was free. <laughs> you can't have health and be putting things in your body that are not going to benefit your body's health and well-being. And, and listen, when, when what you put in your body is health care. When you have to put medicine in your body, that is sick care. Don't let the government redefine that for you. What you eat is health care. The medicine you take is sick care. All right? Understand that. And we need discernment so that we're not spending our life trying to fight every single battle. So I only need to engage when authorized. And listen, this comes out of what David did in Samuel, uh, in 1 Samuel 23, when David was told, look, the Philistines are fighting against uh, Akilah and, 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 and are looting the threshing floors. And he inquired of the Lord saying, shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord answered him and said, go, attack the Philistines and save Kilah, if I'm pronouncing that right. So he inquired of God, right, and asked this, asked this question, should I engage in the battle? And the Lord gave him the go-ahead, so he went in. Because God only backs battles he sends you into. If you go in on your own, you're on your own. And we'll say it again. If you go into a fight that God didn't release you into, you're on your own. Only engage when authorized. Another example is in Leviticus chapter 10. This is a book that not many Christians read, but <laughs> Leviticus chapter 10. And it's talking about Aaron's sons and how... how how um, they took their censers, put them in, in put, put fire in them and added incense and they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, contrary to God's command. So fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them and they died before the Lord. They saw their dad do it. They saw others do it and they were like, well, we can do it too. Not realizing that the effectiveness wasn't in the activity. The effectiveness was in the fact that Aaron had been authorized to do it. And you can emulate things you're not authorized to do. And to the Lord, it smells like strange fire. See, it's dangerous to follow words that God didn't give you. That's what happened to Pharaoh when he tried to, when, when he was coming after, after uh, the, uh, the Israelites and they had just, Moses had just taken him out of, out of Egypt and out of bondage. He saw Moses and Israel walk through the Red Sea on dry ground. And he was like, well, if they did it on their bare feet, I've got chariots and horses. So if they can do it, I can do it too, because I've got more than they have but what he didn't have was their word. So God may tell somebody to have a career change and to walk away from steady employment right now and to stand upon their values and say, if, I'm not, if I don't want to be vaccinated, I'm going to stand true to what I've discerned and know and deep in my spirit and walk out on faith. You've got to do that. You've got to honor that word because that word is for you. And there may be somebody listening. Maybe you don't have that word. Whatever that word is, you've got to walk with it. Joshua 18.3, how long will you wait before you begin to take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has given to you? He asks the people, how long are you going to wait before you fight and take possession for what the God of your ancestors has already given you? The fight is fixed. Listen, folks, the fight is not over. And what's promised belongs to you. But how long will you wait to believe God enough to encounter the opposition and start occupying what you know belongs to you? This is a time and season where the body of Christ has got to rise and take its rightful place. You're not, you're not meant to just stay behind the line. You're meant to be on the front lines. We have a proceeding word that goes before us, a proceeding word that should be carrying us through this culture. 
We don't need to be dragging the word of God behind us as we go through and, 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 and we only pray when we feel like we need to pray or we're only worshiping when, when we feel good enough to worship. Or we only get in the word when, we, when we've gotten so, when we've tripped up so many times, we don't know what else to do. So I guess I should open the Bible and, and see what the word has to say for me in this season. We need to be renewing our mind every day in the word daily, worshiping daily, praying daily. We're in a fight in this culture and in this generation for heaven's value system in the earth. The only way that's going to get into the earth is through you and me. We are the instruments. We are the vessels. We are, we are the ones in which that will bring about the move of God in 2021 and beyond. We are coming to the end of this year. And I don't know about you, but I am believing for the greatest move of God that this culture and this generation has ever seen. And it's going to cause a great shaking in this nation throughout the world. It's going to cause a great, and I don't like to use the word revival, because for me, when you talk about revival, that means something that needed to be revived. The power and the move of God has never died. What's oftentimes died is the fervency and the passion that we have as Christians to go after it. But let me tell you something, it's there, it's available. The Bible says that it's the earth is waiting for the sons of God to arise and take their rightful place. The earth is reeling and shaking while it's waiting on the sons of God to rise. Saints, where are you today? Where are you in the fight? Where are you in the battle? This is a time and place where you and I have been situated for this season, for this moment. This is part of our destiny as the people of God. And it is time for us to stand with truth. It is time for us to stand with righteousness. It is time for us to stand as bold as a lion and let the nation hear the roar from the people of God. If you are not in church, go back to church. Get back in the house of God. Get back into serving and being a blessing. We need to operate in a place of faith, no longer in fear. Turn your TV off. Stop watching the mainstream news. Stop going, stop spending more time on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and TikTok, and all those other places where they just take all of your time and energy and put it into something productive as it relates to your faith, your walk, your destiny, and your purpose. Do something that can equip you to fight strong in this season. And God will honor everything that he's put in you because everything he's put in you is for this moment, for this season, for this time. You and I were born for this moment. Now let's create a shift. Let's create a change. And let's see God move mightily in this nation and throughout the world. I believe in you. I trust God's best for you. I know he's giving you great purpose. He's giving you great uh, intent. God's giving you a creative ability to move dynamically in this culture. If you want to connect with us, even beyond this podcast, you can go to our website, ignitechurchvt.com. You can download our app on your Play Stores. Just search Ignite Church VT. You can connect with me on Instagram under Pastor Todd Callahan. You can connect with me on Facebook uh, as well. And, and I want to stay connected with you on all the areas of life. I love you. I'm praying for you, not just politically, but spiritually. I'm praying for you emotionally. I'm praying for your families, for all of you that reach out. I love you. I'm so grateful for who you are. You mean the world to me. I can't wait for us to be back together on a brand new episode of of Shatterproof. So stay strong, stay encouraged, stay, stay in the fight, and God will bless you and honor you as you remain obedient to Him. I'll catch you on the next episode of Shatterproof.